0: The last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. Our inductee to the Culture Club is Claudia Carl, who has been productive even during lockdown. At this stage, an author of I was gonna say seventeen novels, Claudia, but now 17. eighteen technically. Well,
1: eighteen, I just delivered one. That was my lockdown baby. Um but yeah, this the fixer is number seventeen on the shelf. I guess it's it's a bit like doing the leaving cert every single year, because I do a book a year. So I liken it to still being in school doing the leaving after 18 years. <laughs> pretty Does it get much.
0: easier or harder after almost two decades? Because writers often, oh, you know, they hit blocks and hit walls.
1: Yeah, of course. It happens, everybody. It doesn't get easier. But then every now and then an idea will come along, like with The Fixer, that just, it, it just takes off. It just, once you develop the characters and get to work on it, you can't wait to get back to your desk to get writing again. And, I, you know, I I say myself, I'm I'm narky when I'm not writing and when I am, I'm in great form. Mm. So, yeah. But I think most writers would say the same thing. Now, I wrote a play in the lockdown as well that we streamed um, back in July based on one of my books, actually, it was born in this very studio, was born in Marconi House. I was on a rival uh, news programme.
0: Never mind what Uh, that uh, is. We won't go into
1: that. But (laughs) I was chatting about The Secrets of Primrose Square. This is about three years ago and uh, all delight with myself. And I left the studio. I was walking down Diggs Lane, well known to you, Will. And a producer friend called Pat Moylan phoned me out of the blue and she just said and I would have worked for Pat a lot as an actor Mm. in the past and she just said I heard that interview three strong women on stage she said that could be a play did you ever think about that as a play and I go forward and we met for a coffee and we chatted and she did have to talk me into it because plays be tough. Oh, plays be tough. Um, it is I, I still stand by it. It is the hardest work I ever did. I We had to go through 14 drafts to get the play really singing. But, you know, just to put it in context, you have a 400 page novel, 400 pages plus that has to be distilled down to.
0: Three acts of a play.
1: An hour and 15 minutes. No, was it was one, in, no interval. Just oh right, okay. straight through One hour, 15, one hour, 20. Um, so that was a killer because much beloved characters had to ruthlessly be cast aside. Mm-hmm. But Theatre in lockdown, as you know, just didn't happen. It's only now we can see even outdoor theatre slowly starting to to emerge. And outdoor theatre is wonderful and it fills the gap and streaming is wonderful. But I'm just waiting on the happy day that... That live theatre reopens and we can sit in the old way, elbow to elbow with masks, with social distancing, with all of that, of course. But um, some grassroots, some uh, green shots, I should say, Um, it looks like the Dublin Theatre Festival will go ahead, um, albeit with, I think, only 50 people indoors for a performance. But um, it's just great to see because the theatre, theatre makers have really everybody suffered because of Covid. But the theatre business is pretty much one of the last to reopen. So but just to sit in a theatre back in July and watch my friends, Clelia Murphy, Marion O'Dwyer, Megan Macdonald perform the show and just to be in an auditorium. Oh, my God, it gladdened my heart. I can't tell you. I miss plays, Well,
0: Yeah, I miss being able to go to theatre too. Yeah, I miss plays. Look, everyone fights for their own corner and their own interests during all this. but of course.
1: It's great to see the bookshops open.
0: Yeah. All the shops, yeah. It's been so tough for people. I know particularly like yourself, people have sat down, poured out their creative juices during the lockdown, have something ready to go. They were expecting this summer theatre's going to be back open, indoor's going to happen again. yeah. And the waiting game just continues. It
1: just, I know, I know. I got cross a few months ago because I thought, why are cinemas allowed to reopen and not theatre? I just Mm -hmm. couldn't see the difference. But a lot of people say ventilation in cinemas is, you know, you can get up and walk around or walk in and out. It's frowned on in the theatre. But look, we'll take what we can get. And I'm very happy to be going to outdoor shows. Rain, hail or shine. Um, And streaming was fantastic in the lockdown. I saw some wonderful shows streamed. So, yeah, so we hope The Secrets of Primrose Square will will get. We've never performed it in front of a live audience, so that would be absolutely incredible to get this particular cast would just be a dream. But we'll see what happens.
0: In terms of when you go to adapt a novel, then uh, to make it into a play, do your own kind of sensitivities as an actor kick in a little bit when you're writing the play as well?
1: Um, No, because I'm very thick. Right, so what I did was, um, I spent pretty much 20 years, well, whinging and moaning and going,, um, over the age of forty, there's no parts for women, there's no jobs, there's no parts, ny to anyone who'd listen to me. And then what did I do? I went and I spent three years working on a play, and I forgot to write a part in for myself. I actually forgot. One of the parts that Marion plays, I'm all wrong for. Mm. Marion was just so perfect for it. There was no question of anyone else doing it. Clelia Murphy's part I'm too old for. Clelia is just the perfect age. And oh, my God, her performance just knocked my socks off. And the other character is Clelia's daughter. So I'd just be laughed at if I tried to play that. So, yeah, maybe, maybe if I get brave and do another one, I'll remember to give myself a little cameo in it, not too much acting, just a little brief little scene. Be nice.
0: People will be very familiar with you playing Nicola in Fair City over the but, years. It's, it's been a while.
1: It ha- well, I'm in and out. I'm in and, yeah. and out of the show, but Nicola isn't very liked, But did you enjoy playing her, though? Loved I mean. it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's great playing a baddie. And the way I describe it now is Nicola is every now and then allowed to fly in on her broomstick to Carrickstown, <laughs> stir the cauldron, cackle and then whiz off again like the Wicked Witch of the West. And, and she does. Um, but she's one of those characters that... I always say, you'd want her beside you in the trenches because she's, you know, she's her heart's in the right place and she is loyal to the last and would just fight tooth and nail for what she believes in and will walk on people if she doesn't get her way, which is so not like me at all. I'm very wussbag. Um, but if a character like Nicola moved in next door to you, you'd sell the house. You'd just get away from her. you would drive you insane. um. But yeah, I mean, she's, she's one of those people sort of isn't liked by the audiences, but they still watch. So it but and it's great because Fair City did keep going in lockdown, socially distanced with masks. But that was heartening to see that. Crucially for actors,
0: though, it keeps them in work. And those who are working on the show, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was fantastic. So long may it continue
0: when you were playing the character it meant you get lots of juicy scenes though because
1: Oh I had a lot of screaming and shouting and whining yeah. and gnashing and wailing of teeth Oh my god it was brilliant It was just great <laughs> Maybe but more Scenery chewing
0: Maybe more enjoyable when you're able to uh, sit down and write now at this stage as opposed to the commitment yeah, of is. being it's in there It's lovely
1: out. to have creative control
0: yeah.
1: um, So as I say my contracts are for a book a year so I was just delighted to get this one The fixer done delivered edited and everything on time and it's magic to see it on the shelves well it really
0: Is, and I was reading as well. Your mum, did she move in around about lockdown or just before lockdown? With you, that's right.
1: Yeah, just before COVID. Um, my dad wasn't well and has since passed away, so actually I moved. We're in the family home now together. But it was a blessing, obviously devastating about my papa, but it was, um, just a godsend in lockdown at the time when you couldn't travel more than two meters. Uh, two kilometres, two metres yeah. is like how far apart we you are should now. be keeping apart. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was just great because it was I didn't have to worry about her and she didn't have to worry about me and I've got family who don't live in Dublin. So it meant they knew we were both OK, we were both fine. I could get to Tesco's, I could keep the you know show on the road. And that was such a relief. My heart broke for people in this very severe lockdown. Um, whose loved ones were in different countries, who they were just keeping in or in different counties. Um, they were just keeping in touch via Zoom and phone calls. And that was very hard. I hope you were close to your family. Well,
0: yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, again, we we're living inside the same county, so I was able to go and see Leaks them a, a bit. But yeah, felt a lot for those who were in Dublin and maybe couldn't get awful. home. And didn't that see for a, a year, maybe
1: the worst. Yeah. And people who couldn't get home for funerals. Yeah. Wedding. I mean, weddings forget, but funerals was really
0: heartbreaking. Yeah. OK, well, an entirely different tone then. Let's have a look at some of your selections okay. that you picked for the Culture okay, Club. OK,
1: the nice ones, Will.
0: Ah, look, you can, you can cringe at some of these. We've all made bad decisions over the years and let's see where we're at. Let's okay. start off with your first music single, Claudia, that you bought.
1: Well, um, the very first one, I was an 80s kid. And I remember buying the Eurythmics Sweet Dreams, which I think was one of their first singles. I think. And this is on the old vinyl. It's not the a 45s. bad pick, now at all. We, we've it's heard much sound. worse than this. And also, I had to put ABBA in there because I know it was contentious among those in the production booth. But if you want a kitchen disco, you just can't beat ABBA on, you know, on a gloomy old day or you're feeling a bit low you just put on Dancing Queen has to be the greatest song ever written and you just put it on and your heart sings and my f- fevered hope is that one day they might reckon you know reunite um, I don't know if you're a fan of Mamma Mia
0: but I, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed the movie Mamma Mia. Yeah. Um, I did, never got to see the stage version, but, but I did, did get version, to see the movie. Just and it's just great. It's, it's a bit it's hammy come. at times, but it's fun.
1: Yeah, but it's not about that. It's it's You know, it's a flimsy plot that holds it all together. But it's just the music is so timeless and so classical and they're all alive. So there's no reason why they couldn't reunite. Could you imagine?
0: It would sell out in moments.
1: In seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah. We'll
0: talk more about AB in a moment. Let's take a bit of Sweet Dreams first. That's the remix. Sweet Dreams. Not a bad pick. We've had much more embarrassing choices here on the Culture <laughs> Club than that. For band, you're going classical. We've already talked about ABBA, so ABBA, you're a huge fan. But classically, you're going with the Beatles. And you were telling me yeah. before we started, you went to see the Beatles stage show in Vegas too. I
1: did. And I took my mum to it, who was an original Beatle maniac uh, back in the 60s, back in the day. And when the Beatles played here, as you know, they played the Adelphi a couple mm-hmm. of times, I think. Um, but I I just, I mean, their music is just electrifying and it's perfection. It's just perfection. Um, there's a great quote from Paul McCartney. Somebody, some critic was nitpicking the White Album and he just said, oh, for God's sake, it's the Beatles White Album. Like, just get over yourself. But we went to see in, in Vegas, mum and uh, dad and I went to see um, the Beatles Love Show, which is Cirque du Soleil. So I thought, what a what a hard pitch. It's the Beatles meets the circus, if you like, in the Vegas theatres. I don't know if you've ever been. Never had the joy yet. They are like arenas inside hotels, like just astonishingly large. So we went along and I thought, oh God, I don't know what this is going to be like. But it was electrifying. It was written by um, George Martin and his son. George Martin was still alive at the time and Paul McCartney. So it was kind of had the the official imprinter, if you like, but it was absolutely one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen. And thank you to Dave Fanning of a rival radio station for the tip because he said he went for his 50th birthday and he loved it so much he went back. Um, And I thought, well, if it's good enough for Dave Fanning, good enough for me. But it was just astonishing. I would go, it's still playing and I would if I could, I would go back in the morning to see it. It was just one of the most, you know, sometimes you get theatrical experiences. And it, it, it wasn't even, it was beyond theatre because mm-hmm. it was Cirque du Soleil meets all these fantastic mashup of Beatles songs. But the Love album is my feel good album. It just gets you every single time. The
0: tricky part with the Beatles is picking an era of oh, the this Beatles that it. you enjoy the most. But this,
1: was, this was done by George Martin and Paul McCartney. So, you know, they love pretty good good insight, um, but oh, my God, it, it, I couldn't recommend it more highly. And it's still playing.
0: Well, you're loving Live at the Hollywood Bowl oh, by the yeah, Beatles. I
1: know, but it just makes you feel like you're there, Yeah. It that, that you, you've set the clock back. I think there's a German word for nostalgia for a time that you weren't born in. I actually was not born in 1965. I don't get to say that very often.
0: You inherited that love from your mother. But, by the yeah, yeah,
1: but it's just when you hear the Hollywood Bowl and the cheering and the screaming, you just feel, you close your eyes and you're there, and it's it, it astonishes me to this day.
0: Well, here's help from the Beatles from that album. Latest record over here. That I means it's a new single, and it's a delightful called Help. helped by the Beatles, Claudia Carl's pick of her favourite album. We're on the Culture Club on The Last Word. Claudia, we're talking about your favourite gig. What have you picked from everything you've ever attended?
1: From everything I've ever attended. And it's been a while. um, I picked back, as I said, I'm an 80s kid and I had the joy of seeing David Bowie live. His Glass Spider tour. You weren't born, nope. probably, but so it was two the years 80s. before I was born. This one was yeah. born. <laughs> It was the 80s. I think it was like 86, 87. And I was a J1 student um, with a gang of pals um, from UCD. And we were all living in a madhouse together and having great crack. And somebody just said, you know, a student's ideas catch on. And someone said, David Bowie's playing. And we all just went, yay, we're there, we're going. So it was his Glass Spider tour. I think oh, it was wow. probably 87. And he would have just released the Let's Dance album. So it was that period in his work. And he was just such a showman. It's 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 one of the freshest memories I have in my mind. So I think that was probably the most memorable gig that I've ever attended.
0: Well, given there's like Rebel Rebel, Let's Dance, all those kind of songs in that period. That must be a hell of a gig to get to go see.
1: It was incredible. It was absolutely unbelievable. Let's Dance was a great one and fashion. But I just remember the set was was like nothing we'd seen at the time. And just to see him in, in the States was in those huge arenas that they had there. And bear in mind, it was the late 80s. All we had here really was Lansdowne, as it was then, and the RDS. Um, So just to see him there perform and dominate the stage, he just it's hard to describe, but he just shimmered. It was astonishing.
0: Well, this recording isn't quite from the Boston gig, but it's from the same year and a bit run he was doing on the road. This is from Montreal, which was part of the Glass Spider tour. And this is David Bowie and Rebel Rebel. Rebel Rebel, Now David follow Ford. that. Oh, yeah, it's, follow it's, that. It's tricky. How yeah. do you? One of the best movies of all time might be the best way to follow this. You've gone really <laughs> classical <laughs> with did. your favourite movie here. Very
1: conservative, yes. Ironic you played Rebel Rebel because I'm probably the least rebellious person you'd ever meet. <laughs> I miss caution. But yeah, favourite movie. I went old school and the reason I picked the movie Casablanca and the reason I did is because It ticks so many boxes. I thought it's it's part espionage war movie, part propaganda movie, Mm. because let's remember that the war was still ongoing when it was made. It's a big part love story. It's part musical. It's part comedy because some of the the lines in it are hysterical Um, and there's an awful lot of music in it. Um, The battle of the anthem scene at the towards the end of the movie where the German national anthem is playing and drowned out by Le Marsales. it Just gets me every single time.
0: And also probably the most misquoted movie of all time.
1: Probably the most misquoted movie. Play of it all again, time. Sam. Yes. Yeah, he never said I d- it. I don't know
0: how that ever got into the public consciousness.
1: Yep. I know he never said it. But uh, and then you read about so many urban myths that apparently um, nobody Humphrey Bogart wasn't supposed to be cast. It was meant to be Ronald Reagan. Really? Reagan. Yeah. Can you imagine? It would would just be a very different movie. Yes, exactly. Um, But it was made on a shoestring. Um, The writers were literally scribbling it out as they went along. They were changing dialogue from day to day. Ingrid Bergman was the big name at the time. Mm. She'd worked with Hitchcock. And she was getting really fed up because they couldn't decide on scripts. They kept she would be handed a script, would learn it and then would be told five minutes before shooting, sorry, we changed all that. It's this. And she went along with it and she said it was only when she saw the finished product, she thought, yeah, it works, it
0: works. Let's take you back to Rick's bar then. This is the anthem scene we were just talking about. Oh, brilliant. in a cafe can inspire this unfortunate demonstration But more of his presence in Casablanca bring on I advise that this place be shut up at once
1: but everybody's having
0: such a good time yes much too good a time the place is to be closed but I've no excuse to close it find one Carly, that's brought back a, 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 a genuine emotional way. moment from yeah
1: it's just I mean, how could you just, if that was a prop, if I was watching that in the 40s, I would just sign up and go straight off to war. Um, and Claude Rains, I'm glad you let it play out to that line um, because he had all the best. He had all the very funny lines in mm-hmm. the show. But uh, and probably the first bromance that we ever saw on screen.
0: An amazing, amazing movie. And. Classic golden period Hollywood as well. Yeah. If you get a chance to go back and watch it, your favorite play then. This is gonna be tricky to pick. You know when you've oh, already plays you know, plays are tough. Yeah, you don't want to put a friend out of joint here if you've picked someone. So who? What, I, you what know what I
1: think? Um, I, 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 think after lockdown, I was having this discussion with a producer pal recently. And we were saying, it's very hard to predict. If if I could make an accurate prediction, I'd be a producer, mm. and I'm not. But. I, th- I think that after we come out of lockdown and please God, when theatres do reopen, um, people, no one's going to want to watch Doom and Gloom, I don't think. I think people are going to want comforting comedies that we know they're going to be good. We know they're going to be witty. We know we're going to have a great, great night. Um, so I've been looking to, to answer this. I, I went back to the Irish classics, like from writers, playwrights who I love, like who, who whose work just doesn't seem to be done as much as it should be these days, like Hugh Leonard and lovely Bernard Farrell, the Irish ones. Also a big shout out for Marina Carr, Deirdre Kinehan, Noelle Brown, so many female playwrights who are now... you. Uh, just doing such phenomenal work on stage. Um, But it's very difficult to pick out one because in pre-COVID times, I'd be going to the theatre once a week nearly. But I do think the first thing I want to see is a comedy.
0: I think you make a good point. I think this has already been seen with the Hollywood movies that many that haven't done well on the streaming services or the limited releases that have happened have been the gloomier ones. While people are looking for escape.
1: Yeah, I certainly am.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Escape for 2022 if you're in the middle of uh, writing a play currently or making Make a movie. Make funny, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to favourite book or author. Again, this has got to be tricky because I'd imagine you're writing or you're reading very widely and so therefore you're going to have lots I of choices. I read
1: here. an awful lot. But um, I wanted to give a special shout out to Irish authors and particularly Irish female authors who just... I, I just every time one of them has a new book out, I will queue in the snow almost to get it. So I'm looking at Patricia Scanlon, she uh, Patricia Scanlon Sheila O'Flanagan, Marion Keyes, of course, Sinead Moriarty, Lizzie Nugent. Were people say, oh, but there must be such competition between you all? No. There really isn't. They're do you all just, want each
0: other to do well? To yes, absolutely. Because
1: as my agent says, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. So isn't it great that people can go into bookshops now and if they buy one book, they might buy another. So it's a phenomenal thing. And you, you really see it among female Irish authors. You don't often get that in. Well, in the acting profession, yes, we are all great buddies. But from when I used to be acting, you would go into an audition and there would be, you know, maybe 20 in the room, all women my age, my casting. And, you know, only one is going home with the job. But for an author, there's 20 authors in the room. That's 20 different voices. Everyone has a different story to tell. So a special shout out to those. But again, I'm going very old school in lockdown. What I read a lot of was what I call comfort lit, up lit. OK. I, you know, I, I was cracking out my Jeeves and Worcesters that I haven't looked at for years. Comforting stories that I knew the worst thing that would happen to Jeeves and Worcester was that Aunt Agatha would show up and wag the finger and Jeeves would make everything OK. And that's all I wanted. Um, but I went to old school again and I revisited a lot of my Jane Austens. Right. Because to this day, I cannot wrap my head around the fact that she wrote Pride and Prejudice at the age of 21. It's humbling. You know, at the age of 21, I could hardly cross the road. So when you think of that, and it is probably the most perfectly constructed English uh, comedy, uh, romance, a uh, piece of literature certainly that I've ever come across and um, I had the pleasure of being in the stage production of it at the gate many years ago and it was a very special show. It was very special to me. I played the baddie, Caroline Bingley. Talk about um, being typecast. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. There, what can you do? But look, I was delighted to do it and we had the best laugh. To this day, my closest friends are from that show, would you believe? Um, and it was just something very special. So I, I put I put Jane Austen down also with a special shout out for persuasion, which I know was on the leaving cert syllabus for the leaving cert just just gone. Um, and I had a hard time my goddaughter was doing the leaving and I had a hard time persuading her that I was actually reading persuasion for pleasure she because was going, but she felt obliged to read it for you have exam. to read this yeah. it's her take on it was look it's it's moany women just whinging and moaning and you know kind of like nothing happens for 200 pages and i was going no just wait until you're older she's i love persuasion because the heroine is older she has loved and lost before the book even starts And that's the start off point. And then her ex-boyfriend comes back into the mix in this very tiny, claustrophobic little society where everyone's watching you and he's expected to marry two other younger women. And she's expected to just she made her bed, now lie in it. And it's heartbreaking, just heartbreaking.
0: We have a couple of other picks to get through. We'll finish on TV because I'm going to ask you about podcasts because you've no interest in them.
1: You know, there's so little uh, we've only a finite amount of time and I would podcasts are fabulous but I would rather a book I you know Netflix Now TV um I'm binging on because they're it's just so good it's just mm. such quality um I, I've just fin- I'm halfway through Succession have you seen Succession Succession um, is oh one of my God. favorite shows
0: I know it's one of Matt Cooper's favorite shows too
1: it's just the and one of my favourite actors, Matthew McFadden, plays Tom. He's fantastic. Again, you're talking totally. Pride and Prejudice here, too. But here he, he was is. Mr. Darcy. Yeah. yeah. But he was he plays the Egypt. And the only one in the cast who's a bigger Egypt than him is Cousin Greg. Yeah. And their scenes are comedy gold. It's it's a classic. For me, it's up there with Breaking Bad.
0: Uh, look, I think it's amazing. I think the fact that with some of this earlier in the, in the week in the show, too, it's like when you watch Succession, you're not going to be naturally drawn towards liking any they're of the all characters. horrible. That's the thing. And yeah. the
1: father, Brian Cox, is like—it's like watching King Lear, <laughs> um, which I'm sure he's played. I couldn't tell you, but he's—they're all awful, and you can see why they are the way they are because the father's such a bully, yeah. and they're all scared. Um, but such fantastic performance—it's like a masterclass.
0: I can't wait for it to come back. I think we're just a few weeks away now. So really? I'll recently Oh,
1: that has. Just Put a big smile on my face. Maybe Thank the patriarch
0: will. of the family is about to get challenged. That oh, could don't really tell me! I'm not going to give too much no away. No spoilers. No, no, okay. But I think but um, just,
1: if you if you're interested in acting, just to see and fabulous amazing. writing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it really is worth checking out.
0: Hard to believe that the writers involved with Succession also wrote Peep Show. They were involved yeah, with Black the, the Mirror. Yeah, the thick of it. It's like that's just an yeah, incredible Armando CV. And
1: it's it is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. And
0: such a different tone to some of the other um, pieces that they've been working on previously. So Succession is right up there. But also you're a big Monty Python fan as well.
1: Oh, yeah. When we were kids, my mum, uh, you know, in single channel land. Well, we, we the, towards when I was a little bit older, we got BBC, ITV. Might have all blown of over from the choice. UK. Yeah. Might have blown over, yeah. Um, but mum would never allow us watch... Um, rubbishy comedies as she called them like we were never we were banned from watching hello hello on the buses you'd be shot if you were caught in our house watching those however we were actively encouraged to watch monty python and the young ones blackadder so i'm of that age and blackadder is just so quotable all the time and the young ones you, you don't remember it, but uh, it yeah, was yeah. anarchic at nah, the time. It, I remember watching it. I didn't ended see it live, but I remember seeing it in the last 10 years. So, yeah, Rick brilliant. The set. He was just fantastic. And Adrian Edmondson, I love yeah. as well, who played the, um, the punk. I mean, it's just hysterical. The episode where they go on University Challenge remains one of the funniest things I have ever seen in my life. um. But also, yeah, you've got to have Monty Python in there. I have two brothers and they would speak in this kind of coded language that's all quotes from Python. One of them would say it is a dead parrot. It has ceased to be bereft of life. It rests. He is no more. And The other one Mm -hmm. would answer with a quote from Life of Brian Um, and the obscure stuff. So I had to I kind of learnt Python to speak Python, if you like, so I could communicate with them Um, and just fell in love with it. I just adore it. They reunited uh, briefly and it was very funny because, you know, Eric Idle is the money man Mm -hmm. and um, He, uh, Graeme Chapman had passed away and they couldn't, they were going to do this tour and Terry Jones had just divorced, I think like his third or fourth wife and he was broke and John Cleese had just divorced as well and he was broke and they all needed money and they decided they were going to tour and Eric was interviewed about it and he said, he was asked, well, what happens, you know, because we've lost Graeme Chapman very tragically, what happens if one of you basically dies yeah. and he said oh not a problem it just becomes a tribute show and the other four turned the show into a tribute to the one who dropped dead and I thought
0: as <laughs> Python-esque as you possibly get
1: as you could get but I couldn't get a ticket well but one you never know yeah oh listen
0: Claudia Carl it's been magnificent having you in that on is the, the nicest
1: Club. interview I think I've ever done that was brilliant
0: enjoyed it immensely love chatting to you thanks a million for joining us in The Last word.